All right, Bob, with uh, indoor plants, I guess they've been resting a bit here over the winter, but they're about to come to life, too, I would imagine, pretty quick. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, they're one thing to get us through the winter, yeah. uh, those green green plants for sure. And, uh, you know, so many of them are so very durable. They're indoor plants now. They all came from uh, the outside someplace. Mm-hmm. And mentioned the fact if folks are traveling uh, south into the state of Florida, and a lot of people do, um, they get in the Orlando area. I had just a great experience. I visited the Green Growers in Apopka, which is just northwest of uh, Orlando. Uh, the state of Florida is the largest green plant producer in the United States, and Minnesota oh. was, at least per capita, where they were the largest consumer of uh, green plants. <laughs> All right. So uh, it's it's kind of interesting. They were very interested in uh, you know my role a little bit in the, in northern Minnesota and what plants that work well for us, but. You know, it's kind of fun. Uh, green plants are some of those things. We talked about that over the holidays. There are plants that can keep right on giving. And you notice, you know, on our, our greenhouses, our garden centers, uh, you're, they're going to have more green plants on display. But also, you know, we've got the mass merchandisers, the supermarkets, and just about everybody's going to have some green plants here pretty quickly. Right, Bob, wait and a minute. Know, well, well, identify green plants. I thought they were all green. Well, <laughs> I guess we talk about green green indoor house plants. Oh, okay. Uh, most uh, plants that contain chlorophyll are all green, so you're correct. But uh, yeah, our indoor plants, you're right, okay. you're right there. So our indoor house plants, let's call them that, okay? All right. But uh, you're going to see more and more of those, and uh, they're experiencing a little uh, rejuvenation, uh, resurgence in popularity. Ah. Uh, it's very interesting how we see these gardening trends that, that come and go, and we go from on the outside from very formal gardens. Now we're moving a little bit to, to a trend toward a little bit informality. Um, uh, they're kind of, uh, they want minimal maintenance plants that may not have to be pruned, may not have to be uh, perfectly manicured. So we're, we're moving from a very formal trend to kind of an informal trend. It may come from uh, a little bit more uh, relaxed sales in general. You look at uh, business attire. I'll use as as an example where everyone had to be in a white white shirt and tie. Now it's a little bit more casual there. And the same thing I think with some of our our trends that are coming along in uh, in outdoor landscaping. So trends come and go. House plants, uh, indoor plants can be extremely popular. Then they tend to fade in popularity. We see them coming back now. The nice thing about so many of these plants is that you can actually propagate your own. And we got um, kudos to some of our master gardeners that are out there working on a houseplant project. Came from uh, one uh, individual who loved houseplants. I've been over to her home. She has, <laughs> you know, she almost has a jungle, literally. As a matter <laughs> of fact, when they, when they built the home, lots of windows on the south. So she was going to have this wonderful collection of houseplants. Done a real nice job of propagating them and, and uh, with other volunteers. And uh, they've taken them out into the uh, senior and assisted living facilities, and I uh, did a little work on exploring what we had in St. Louis County. We have 140 of these facilities throughout the county, lots of folks that don't get a chance to get out. So uh, that's a project that's continuing where they they propagate them for them and, and bring them the plants with some care instruction, some education that goes along with that. So that's been very popular. We're going to expand that this year. But uh, the point being that they're starting a lot of these plants right now. They're taking cuttings. And we can talk a little bit about that process. There are any number of ways you can take cuttings from your plants. Uh, you, uh, you know, you're probably familiar. Maybe you saw this, Dave. Maybe even in your own uh, family home, uh, where mom would take a cutting typically and just dunk it in uh, maybe a glass jar of water, 
and those roots kind of glommed together and you had a new plant. Well, there are perhaps a little better ways to do that. Uh, That still works for some plants, African violets being one of them. But uh, in most cases, we really want uh, what we call root initiation. We take a cutting from a stem or a leaf, and then we want to get a new plant. So ultimately, we got to get some roots that get generated there. So uh, there are some better media than just plain water. I really like to use a combination of perlite and vermiculite, and these are horticultural grade. They're materials that are readily available at lawn and garden shops. I like to mix them about 50-50, and then you soak them uh, with water, not an excessive amount, and this is the media that you're going to take these cuttings and you're going to put them in. So you really have, in that kind of a uh, a mixture, vermiculite and perlite. We've got about 50% air and 50% water. The problem with just putting things in water is you can get plain rot. So you really want about that 50% air, oh. 50% water to get these roots to uh, really begin to take off for you. And then you get, the, you know, you, you've you got this mass, of course, there's, there isn't any nutrient available there in that particular media. But you're going to lift that up, and you'll have a, a, a root ball underneath there, and then you can move it into a, a more complete potting soil mix and grow them out from there. But for starting, uh, the plants really all the energy comes from that stem material. They're really uh, not going to be generating a lot of additional energy, so they don't need a lot of nutrient. But we get them started, and then we move them into a more complete mix, and then we're often going uh, for the season. And if you time this right, and that's the nice thing about starting in February sometime or early March. Uh, by the time uh, the danger of frost is passed, late May or early June, we can move some of these plants right outside and, and capture that, that mm-hmm. sunlight that we're going to get during the summer months. So it's kind of a real fun process. And we'll take it a step farther. Uh, people do really like to receive house plants. It's the thought that you uh, you put into it and all your expertise. You could be starting them now with the idea that you're going to be giving some of them away during the holiday season, whether it be uh, Thanksgiving and our Thanksgiving cactus, Christmas and our Christmas cactus. Those can all be started pretty readily right now and actually quite easily. And by the time you get to the holiday season, you enjoy growing them out because there's uh, something really satisfying about watching a plant grow. You get all that enjoyment growing it out, then you get them potted up and you can bring them as as gifts over the holidays. And they're calorie-free, Dave, so mm-hmm. nobody really ever complains about receiving <laughs> a, a house plant as a gift. Now, can you do this with any kind of plant or just some specific plants for cutting, doing cuttings? Yeah, that's really a good question there. You know, they're all going to be just a little different. Uh-huh. They all require just a little bit different requirements. Uh, I would say that uh, young plants, say if we take a look at uh, plants that have thicker leaves, we oftentimes, we've talked about Thanksgiving cactus, talked about uh, Christmas cactus. These have got very flat leaves. Right there, you could actually take these flattened leaves and just pull them off the plant. As a matter of fact, if growth conditions aren't real great, sometimes the lower leaves fall off anyway. But you'll, you can just take these, these are technically leaves, and just stick them into the surface of this uh, mixture I talked about, 50% vermiculite, 50% perlite, and they will actually form roots uh, right on the base, and, and that can be accomplished quite easily. Now, there's one other thing that we, we like to do. We like to pull some kind of a, uh, a transparent poly bag or something over the top to keep the humidity high uh, around that cutting until the roots have a chance to form because you don't want that uh, that 
cutting to dry out. You don't have any active transport of water now because you don't have a root system yet. So you want to keep that humidity very high. And the easiest way to do that is with a poly covering of some type. Never put it out in the sun because it gets very, very hot. They'll pry everything down. But in in the shaded areas, they don't need a lot of light. So this is a place maybe on the north side of the house where you can accomplish this. So uh, and uh, another... Um, quick little point we do have some growth hormones that are readily available again lawn and garden shops uh, one of the big ones out there is homodin that's readily available and these are actually what's called uh, oxins Dave we actually have about five different types of growth hormones these are going to be regulating all the growth of our green plants one way or another and uh, some of these you actually purchase and they're typically dry powders you'll just take just a little dab you don't want to overdo but on that open surface of the the cutting the part you're going to stick down into this rooting media you just touch a little bit of the rooting hormone and this contains oxen which is responsible for cell division and cell elongation and that will oftentimes stimulate more rapid root development so the big thing is we want to get a nice root system under there we want to get what we call active transport of the water once that occurs then we can lift them out of this mix we can take that poly bag off because now we've got a root system under there uh, that will support the plant and then you can certainly move them to another location and uh, move them into a more complete cutting soil mix as well. So every plant's going to be different. Start with those uh, that have very thick leaves if you're going to use uh, just the leaves. Also you can take a look at the plant and we've got every place you've got a stem and then you've got a leaf coming off. The stalk of the leaf is called a petiole and right at this junction you can't see it but there's a potential for a bud there and you can actually uh, take these are called stem cuttings and buddings and you'll take that cutting of the stem but make sure you get a portion of the leaf petiole and cut back a little bit of the leaf but uh, that portion right there uh, at that junction between the leaf stem and the main stem you're going to get a new plant a bud that will actually once you make this cutting it rearranges all the hormones the hormones are actually suppressing that bud so you can't even see it sometimes most times but once you take the cutting you interrupt the the natural suppression from some of the plants hormones and then you'll get the expression of the bud so those are called stem cuttings that works on uh, many many plants as well and we have a couple of other techniques for some of the older, more mature plants. And when we get a chance here, maybe in the next segment, we'll talk about air layering and a, a few other things Ooh. you can do as well. All right, air layering. <laughs> air layering coming up with Bob Olin. It is 9.35. We'll take another break and be right back. This is the Bob Olin Show, supported by Dan's Garden Center, located at Dan's Feed Bin in Superior. And by the WLSSD's Garden Green. Compost you'll dig. Call now, 218-722-0839. If you have questions for our master gardener, the phone number, again, is 722-0839. On a cold January 31st morning, we're talking indoor plants with Bob Olin. Bob? Uh, oh, I forgot what we are going to talk about. I, I should have well, been taking notes. <laughs> that's, you've been taking notes. That's just great. Uh, it's kind of funny, you know, uh, after last week's, program, believe it or not, someone tracked me down from St. Augustine, Florida, that had been listening to the program. So really? In Florida? They were taking notes as well. Wow. And they wanted some clarification. How they managed to track me down, I'm not really sure. Hey, we're, but, we're uh, worldwide on the web, so. Well, that's what it was all sure. about, they were saying, and mm-hmm. uh, they, they plug in, and they were 
you know, they're in their potato growing season down there. And he wow. was, uh, we talked a little bit about tomatoes and he was, uh, <laughs> had some questions about what I called a bushy indeterminate tomato, kind wow. of a semi indeterminate. And he wanted a little bit of clarification, but that was kind of shocking. So I'm glad uh, you, maybe a few other people are taking notes, Dave. Well, speaking of that, we got somebody on the phone with a question. Hi, who's this? <laughs> okay. Barb. Barb, go ahead. Hello, Barb. I have a question regarding a small orchid that I received from my stepdaughter about a year and a half ago. Okay. And it's, I'm supposed to add an ice cube once a week, which I do, and it's growing, but no buds or anything. I'm not sure what to do with it, if I should fertilize it or leave it alone or what. Well, I think at this point, because uh, we're a little early for, for fertilizer, I think, you know, the uh, the ice cube is giving it just some, enough water that it would what it really needs rather than overwatering. The key to bringing them back into bloom, of course, is going to be uh, good vegetative growth, so that's happening. I think I would just be patient with it. If you've got good green growth and you're supplying some uh, some water, I think maybe for some fertility would not hurt, uh, but that's going to be a little ways. Let's wait until after mid-March at least, and then if you're going to use just a general purpose we call water soluble fertilizer uh make sure you cut that in half half strength so they typically will recommend a tablespoon of this dried uh, fertilizer powder per gallon of water let's that may put that down initially to about a, uh, a a teaspoon so that's about a third of a tablespoon in a gallon of water so we're just going to give it a little fertility they're not real active heavy feeders they're going to require some but I think it's just more than anything else, the fact uh, that you've got good growth coming. Uh, let's just be patient with it, and ultimately it will uh, will set some bloom for you. Will it eventually bloom then? It should. Yes, it should. Uh, you may want to find again uh, that, you know, they don't want a lot of uh, hot light, so we don't want to be in a southern window that isn't uh, curtained off in some way. I think sometimes... Uh, uh, maybe an east window would be good, or if you've got just a, a, a light veneer or a, a type of curtain that lets light penetrate, but without that heat. So they really don't like heat, and uh, heat can be actually the enemy of uh, a bloom formation as well. So good light, but cool light, a little bit of fertility, and then just some patience. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for the, thank you for the question. There's another indoor plant that's mm-hmm. become very popular. Every one of these, uh, they've got some some kind of tricky growth requirements on some of the uh, some of the media <laughs> that are used for uh, for these plants as well. But nonetheless, they were talking about we can talk about some that are a little bit easier to grow. Yeah. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, taking cuttings, pretty simple. The thick leaved plants are the easiest. If you have thin leaved plants, uh, very light leaves, uh, you might want to try a leaf cutting where you actually take that leaf and you may want to pin it down to the surface and make sure when you cut that leaf off that you leave the bud we talked of where it joins uh, the main stem. Let's leave that in place. You can take that leaf and you can just pin it down maybe with a toothpick or two around the edge so it comes in contact uh, with that uh, media we're talking about there, that 50% vermiculite, 50% vermiculite, 50% perlite, that's moist so we want to keep this moisture layer down underneath the leaf and we pin the leaf down and oftentimes you'll get small little plants that will emerge uh, from that as well you know Dave I did mention the fact that uh, using a, a little bit of a growth hormone which you can purchase at lawn and garden shops um, uh, you know one technique that I've used is you can actually 
and it's going to be a little more difficult this time of year, but the willows, and we see these beautiful weeping willows. Anyone that's had a, a willow like that is aware that when they weep over, oftentimes when those branches come down onto the soil, they will emerge and you get another uh, plant or tree that forms from those. Wow. And uh, the willows have a lot of this growth hormone called auxin. So one thing you can do is if you've got a willow or you spot a willow in the landscape, you can get just a little bit of that actively growing material. You can take it, you can grind it up, and you can make your own uh, growth hormone from it. So a little flurry of that, and that would be more during the growing season, but this can be uh, this can be uh, something that you can do yourself. It doesn't cost anything. So mm-hmm. matter of fact, I put together a list, and we're going to use some of these at our spring gardening meetings. I call them... Uh, our spring gardening uh, hacks and I you know you hear this term hack all the oh, time yeah. uh, in a negative sense people that are hacking your uh, your PC and your other electronic devices but also I'd look it up but Merriam-Webster says yeah. a, a hack is defined as a clever tip or technique for doing or improving something so yeah, kind of a shortcut or something yeah. shortcut yeah. yeah so I put together um, some of my own just off the top of my head uh, nice. uh, gardening hacks for people that I will share and uh, you know a couple of little things we've got some techniques called winter seeding well, we before can, you do uh, that let's, make our, let's, do, let's do another question before you get into the hacks okay let's do that All right. we? hi who's this good morning apparently not never mind I well, guess we can hack away that's okay that that was an easy one to answer <laughs> yeah that's for sure <laughs> but anyway uh, there are any number of these things but on my list was was using a willow growth hormones collecting mm-hmm. your own and grinding a little bit and, and using that along with so many other things that we're going to have uh, have some fun with but there are a lot of clever little things that you can do and I'm sure people have got a list in our guard experienced gardeners out there could certainly add to the list that I put together but you know mid, mid-January what are you going to do in a right. cold winter evening so I just uh, started to let, uh, let my imagination run but one of those garden hacks was really uh, just making your own uh, growth hormones so you can use these now a lot of people may have um, I know I do. I've got some of these larger trees, larger indoor green plants, uh, the, the uh, elephant plants, the dracaena, the corn plants, uh, the rubber rubber plants or rubber trees, they call them, monstera. There are any number of uh, larger indoor plants that actually in the subtropical and tropical regions become trees, but in our <laughs> homes they might be three, four, five, even six feet in height. They're quite mature. They've got the large stems that go along with them. And oftentimes, and I've had questions from folks, matter of fact, uh, I work with the folks out at the Alcott Greenhouse in Virginia where they had these plants, lots of light, and they were pushing through the upper glass. So they didn't want to take them. I want to prune them. And we did some air layering. And I mentioned that earlier. And this is a fun technique. All these techniques are fun if you have kids or grandkids or neighborhood kids that you want to share some of these things with. Uh, you can take what's called an air layer where you've got a thick stem. Now, these are stems that are going to either be woody or they might be a half an inch or so uh, in diameter. And you're not just going to cut them off and try to get roots to form because they're too mature. So what you'll do is you you can take a cut and about just past the halfway point with a nice sharp knife, and then uh, you can bend that back, and you're going to have to put in a popsicle stick or something to hold that cut area open. And then you can use just a dab of this rooting hormone. And then, uh, so now you've got this main stem, you've got a cut in it, you've put in some kind of a tongue depressor or a popsicle stick, just a little piece or a little piece of wood there to 
to keep it from coming back. If it comes back on you, it's going to seal up and you're not going to get root formation. So you have to keep that, that incision open. And then you take an actual sphagnum moss and you put a, you moisten the sphagnum moss. And we have a lot of that growing in the wild here, but you can also buy it this time of year from lawn and garden shops. You soak it in water, and people that have trouble getting it to pick up the water always use warm water when we're talking about moss or peat or anything. If you wanted to pick up the water, just room temperature, a little warmer water than that, and they will pick up the water quite readily. So you've got now a ball of real moist moss. You've got an open cut that you've held open with a popsicle stick, and then you're going to... uh, you're going to surround that cut area with this damp moss, and then you're going to pull some poly. We talked about uh, plastic or polyethylene sheeting. You're going to make just a, a covering for that that you're going to seal off at the top. You're going to seal it off at the bottom. And uh, this is what's going to keep that sphagnum moss moist until the cut area with a little bit of rooting hormone on there can actually form uh, new roots for you. Wow. So this takes quite a bit of time for these for this root initiation, and uh, and you can peek in there maybe a month or so later and see if you got <laughs> roots. But ultimately, that sphagnum ball, uh, that ball of sphagnum moss will be a just a nice dense uh, ball of rooting material. And then at that point, you can cut it off just below that section. You can you've created a new plant, new set of roots, and then you can pot it up later in the year. The process does work. You have to be very patient with it. Uh, it will take uh, several months for these roots to really form, but uh, then you've got another beautiful plant, and if you had an eight-foot plant that was pushing up to the ceiling, you could take some of these air layering processes off these stems, and you now have a three-foot plant with some roots at the top, and uh, you can start that growing process wow. all over again. So that's what we call air layering. I've right. done it many times myself. It's a fun process. That you can start that right now, and uh, don't be too impatient. That's what yeah. I've learned in the process. And check under that poly if the uh, if the sphagnum moss ever feels dry to you. we got to get a spitzer or got to get some more moisture in there, so we have to keep that... Uh, that actual moss ball moist in the process, but right. it's done commercially. It's done uh, lots of different ways, and it uh, it will work for you. And it's lots of fun, particularly if you've got kids or if you oh, yeah. bring the kid out yourself, Dave. Sounds like a school project or something. We could start school early project. in the year, yeah, and see how it comes out later in the year. So that'd be As super. A matter of fact, I often get people that say, "I've got all these house plants are overgrown or moving. <laughs> don't know what to do with my." I think making some contacts with some of our our elementary, maybe junior high schools, uh, and donating some of the plants. We've actually, for our houseplant project, had some wonderful people that stepped forward with plants to donate that we're getting out into the uh, senior and assisted living facilities. So uh, they're very valuable. Don't throw them out. Uh, be very careful if you're going to have to move them around. I would uh, I'd wait till the weekend, as you say, till things warm up, and then cover any plant uh, with poly again that you're going to uh, be moving out into the colder temperatures. Right. They are valuable, and there's always going to be a home. There's going to be someone somewhere that will appreciate those plants, Dave. Bob, we'll take another break and be right back. More of the Bob Olin Show coming up on KDAO. All right, we're back. Bob, you got any more uh, hacks that we can uh, pass along yet this morning for <laughs> indoor plants? Uh, yeah, you know, there are, there are so many things uh, that I've tried over the years. <laughs> and on my list, uh, there are things that are kind of fun. I mentioned uh, the fact you can collect your own rooting hormone. There's mm-hmm. some, uh, uh, you know, I like to do a few things. I like to grow a lot of potatoes. Incidentally, we're going to have a couple segments in our educational programming coming up on 
uh, both Irish potatoes, which is what most people grow in the area, and then some on sweet potatoes. And mm-hmm. as the climate warms, if it isn't warming, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to look at some of the sweet potatoes. And uh, I've done uh, some trial work uh, and some research on some of those, and uh, those may be crops in the future. But yeah, on, uh, on the uh, on this list of things, I talk about potatoes. Uh, you know, people will if you've got potatoes that are left over from last year we get these real elongated sprouts that that occur and uh you know you can kind of jump the season on your on your potatoes if you'd like to and uh, you can start them by the process we call it we call them chitting and what i've done uh, i like to save uh i like to save fiber or uh egg cartons mm-hmm. and of course uh i i just use those both uh, for potting material they're they're they can be a, like a fiber pot, almost that breaks out. Or I'll, I'll actually put smaller potatoes in there, and I'll just let them uh, warm up to room temperature. And when you get those buds uh, beginning to emerge, that, that's called a chit. So this is a little garden hack called chitting tomatoes or potatoes. So we can get those out in the ground, and uh, actually they will tolerate because now they've broken those buds. They'll tolerate some of the uh, cooler soil temperatures that we have in the spring. So there's one little technique I've used just for fun. Not I don't put an acre in like this, but uh, just for fun, you got to have those first early potatoes. Like I said again, you've got to you've got to capture that early part of the season. And if you oftentimes just put a potato into the cold ground it'll oftentimes rot off before it has a chance to break bud so we come along and i i take uh, uh one or two dozen a couple of egg cartons and i just throw a few in there and i chit them out and then put them in the ground and they take off and uh they go off nice and early so i get a little jump on the season that way so right. there's certainly uh, so many different things and little techniques that you can use that are are certainly fun dave going forward bob and i was just in, put, yeah i was just informed by kenny that this is national eat your brussels sprouts day Wow. So I, I don't know if you've got any Brussels sprouts left from last year, but uh, this is the day you're supposed I, to eat them. You know, what's really fun is they became very popular, and I'll have to admit I never grew a lot of them, but uh had requests from people, so <laughs> did grow out some over the last several years. They're a fun crop to grow. Uh, they're in that cabbage family, but... Uh-huh. Uh, they became uh, very popular, roasting them with a little bit of sea salt, a little seasoning on the top. And I'll have to admit, if you don't like that cabbage family, you got to try some <laughs> of these. A little olive oil on there, roasted. Uh, they're really, uh, really delicious. We're all a little bit aware. And, you know, that's one of the garden trends. People are concerned about uh, their better health, their, mm-hmm. their good nutrition. So uh, edibles, I think, is going to be, are going to be an extremely important part of the the vegetable garden or rather the landscape this year a lot of people taking out some of the grass so it's kind of interesting uh, we had this trend where we had perfectly manicured grass where people wouldn't let cutting cuttings lie lots of herbicides for control of the dandelions and all the other broadleaf weeds now as you know uh We've gone to these no mow maze, which I think started in one of those Wisconsin communities, did it not? Yeah, do? I wouldn't doubt it. Yep, I know. I, I I partook of that myself last year. <laughs> you were maybe maybe you were just a little bit of yeah. ahead of ahead of the rest of the world there as well, huh? <laughs> well, mostly because I forget there was a good reason for it, and I can't remember if it was just too cold or it wasn't growing or something, but something. So yeah. you you just let them go, and of course yeah. uh, the dandelions. Yeah, the dandelions were the only growth, things so. growing actually, so. <laughs> and uh, so we have we have that trend coming where we're going to mm-hmm. and we're 
going to talk a little bit about bee-friendly lawns and how you can get some right. of the new flowering uh, low-stature plants that doesn't all have to be grass. Grass will be a part of it, but people are cutting in pollinator gardens. They're putting in uh, small fruit gardens, and mm-hmm. we're going to take a look at some of the more novel small fruits this year that can go in those gardens. Uh, and they're putting in certainly the vegetable gardens, uh, talk a little bit about vertical gardening, small space gardening. So uh, I, the edibles are going to be uh, very, very popular. If the size of the catalogs and the number of catalogs is any indication, uh, we just had a proliferation of seed catalogs, which makes me believe that uh, there there's still a need for paper out there. And I like <laughs> nothing more than to go through hard catalogs. I probably have 20 of them right in front of me as we wow. speak here. And I'm evaluating one for another. What do we want to get in our trials? What would we like to grow this year? What may be in short supply? So I think uh, one of the dominant themes is uh, there are going to be plenty of veggies, uh, Brussels sprouts. Uh, the interest in broccoli goes up. The interest in uh, a lot of the colored cauliflower. I'll do a little segment on where those varieties came from and where they perform best for us. So look at the purple and the orange cauliflowers and uh, what we've had most success All with. Right. So I think the cabbage family is getting a lot of attention. Kohlrabi is getting a lot of attention. So there are a lot of very unique things that are happening out there. But one thing I know for sure is uh, people will be growing out tomatoes in abundance, and we've got a little number of new varieties there as well hey we gotta run bob uh, okay but uh yep next week we'll take it up again bob olin here on kdal the bob olin show has been brought to you by dan's garden center located in dan's feedback in superior and by wlssd's garden green compost you'll dig